Paso, paso. Paso, paso. Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Paso Paso Podcast. This is Miles, and uh, thank you for listening and uh, hanging out with us again here on this early childhood uh, series based in Taos, New Mexico. On today's episode, as you always know, I'm, I'm super excited to have guests who have not been on previously, and this is someone who's very special to me, and I'm very excited to share her and her experiences with you. Um, welcome to the podcast, and would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, thank you, Miles. That was lovely. Uh, my name is Leanne O'Rourke, and I am Miles's mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> and uh, we're eagerly awaiting um, the birth of uh, Siobhan and Mars's second little person. Yes. Um, who, and that's why we are here in Taos. And you're here? Yeah. Do you mean you're not you're not always here? <laughs> I w- oh look, I'm I'm getting that way. I mean, <laughs> this is the third trip, um, and each time we stay longer, and this time it's three months. So hopefully we'll be welcome back again after Absolutely. this one. <laughs> and for those who may be guessing at home, uh, based on uh, your wonderful voice, where do you normally live? Well, I have been asked if I'm a New Zealander. Ouch. But um, <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with New Zealand. No, no, I love New Zealanders, but we're Australians. I'm um, here with my husband and my daughter, my other daughter as well, Izzy. So, yeah, and from Australia. Well, thank you so much for being here and everything you do. And um, as we discussed ahead of time, which is how I got you into this situation on this <laughs> podcast, this is an early childhood podcast, and we speak about everything from uh, prenatal and support for um, new parents uh, to mothers postpartum, um, young children and raising them, transitioning into school. And um, some of our programs that are network members here in Taos also serve children up to 18. But you have a history of working in what we would call the early childhood field. And we're going to get into that. I've learned since being married to um, a woman from Tasmania how little Americans know about Australia and especially Tasmania, which is an island to the south of the mainland, mm. but a part of the country, right? Yep. What You've yep. lived on both the mainland of Australia and in Tasmania in your life. Yes. What are some things outside of, there's a cartoon character of the Tasmanian devil, there's that <laughs> Kangaroos. movie. Kangaroos. Kangaroos, there's Crocodile Dundee the movie, there's a, a, a weird um, chain of restaurants in America called Outback Steakhouse that has nothing to do with mm. Australia, and we are, we are taught that Australians drink uh, mainly Foster's beer, which apparently is not true, so Ooh, what would Tasmanians you like to... drink Cascade. Okay. That's, that's if you're in the south. <laughs> All right, Cascade. And if, is... the north, if in the north, Launceston, Bogues. Bogues. Mm. We're getting the inside track. <laughs> What are, are. what are some of the standout so. things about Australia or Tasmania you think that Americans may not be aware of or that stand out to you? Okay. Uh, well, I started out in Queensland and um, and then, well, after I was married, I moved to Tasmania. Um, the most, the standout things would be the people, really, their, um, their friendly natures. The, the mateship that you do see in the movies is um, is all very true. Um, and, well, I suppose Tassie is, um, it has a population of about 500,000. Okay. 
Um, so it's not that many people for the area of the place because it's um, probably about the size of um, the Republic of Ireland or mm. I think it's West Virginia okay. here. Yeah. So um, that's where I've spent now. A long time, probably 10 <laughs> years longer, without giving away my age, 10 years longer than I lived in Queensland. Queensland's renowned for its beaches, um, its outback living, cow... Well, we think they're cowboys, but, you know, um, probably not to your standard. Um, and Tassie was very, very um, into small fruits, apples um, worldwide, um, and I suppose... Being a Queenslander, when I moved there, I couldn't believe how many uh, varieties of potatoes they have there. So wow. it's quite an ag agricultural sort of um, start that Tasmania Amazing. had um, now. And then it became more of a, um, a quieter place to live. So a lot of our children went to the mainland to seek um, job opportunities, mm. whereas now they're having a resurgence and um, properties going up, property yeah. value, and we're we're just it's just really expanding at the moment. Yeah, after COVID, I suppose. Wow. Yeah. In, yeah, in similar blocks. similar to this area. I, I'm not sure the percentages have changed, but people yeah. here in Taos often speak about the uh, increasing expenses on renting or buying real estate or housing yeah. here too. Yeah. It's well, big impact. Yes, um, over there, and I think. Um, Tassie was really in a, a lovely little bubble, um, you know, in the last couple of years. Meaning, and just to so, translate, yeah. um, by that you mean that it was kind of shielded from a lot of yeah. outside influences yes. or infiltration, which is now not yeah. the case, maybe. Yeah, yep. Cool. So uh, it's become a very attractive place for many people to visit and mm. live. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's why you're still there. It is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful place to bring up children still. Yeah. Well, still. Yep. We'll do what we can. Um, well, thanks for being here. And so we were thinking that, um, you know, as I mentioned before, this podcast goes very quickly. And hopefully you listening will enjoy the, the calm and pleasant nature of, <laughs> of my wonderful guest. And, um, but we're already halfway through. What? So we should probably get to that early childhood piece. Yeah, please do. And we talked about the many ways we could approach it, but it sounds like you have fond memories of fun things you did in your career. Yes. I always found that reinventing... Um, myself um, within that in in within the framework um, always um, I suppose it it balanced out or it really um, what am I trying to say the kids it mm -hmm. you know because the learner is your focus mm -hmm. that that should be your focus and uh, especially an early learner they are full of wonder and mystery and imagination and um, and to tap into that you can really sort of empower these little people and um, excite them about learning. And it's, you know, um, I think that the way that I tried to do that was um, when I first started teaching, it was a big unit emphasis yeah. on, um, especially in lower primary school, on creating a unit, of, a body of work where you um, incorporated all the curriculum areas yeah. into that. So we would say build a city. Mm -hmm. in the classroom. And, um, and for what age uh, children at this point, roughly, did you do that? Well, that was probably around eight, seven and eight-year-olds okay. that I started um, in my career with. Um, but just taking a lot of different subjects, having everyone learn through, let's yeah. say, the math and the English yes, and all that yes. and science by, yeah. by like a project-based yes. curriculum. Yes, mm. and there, that was the big emphasis when I started teaching, which was like 35 years ago. Now, see, that still sounds very no. new 
and mm. underutilized as a mm. approach in our country. I think so. That's interesting ah. that it was yeah. new back then. For and it was um, and it was wonderful for the kids because it really engaged them. And that was the you know that was the main purpose that you um, you started with. You wanted to engage them, involve them, empower them within their own learning, so that they could um, then. You know, continue in that vein, I suppose, and mm-hmm. and really develop as little as little humans, and and then um, um, I worked with as a team. I was very very involved with teamwork. Okay. I, I wanted to sort of do that for the teachers, and there was a program that had come from New Zealand that was called Flying Start. Okay, Mari Clay was the woman that um, that wrote that developed it mm. and then uh, so I worked with teachers creating teams uh, for planning and how they could best utilize support in their within their classrooms um, and what when you say support was that uh, was it it was it curriculum ideas or um... it was uh, we started with curriculum mm-hmm. and um, then we looked at the children we test sort of um, ran, Assessments. Assessments, yeah. assessments with the children to find out where they were and then we went from there and planned the best strategies for for each child in the class to benefit from the wow. whatever we created. That's important. Yeah. So you were mentioning that in your history you were presenting to schools and helping to support along with your other staff uh, what we would call individualized education. Mm-hmm. That there was a, a history of maybe some of the settings in the schools you were working at um, being a structure that might be considered very, um, I don't want to say, like modern traditional where you don't really have the time or you don't take mm-hmm. the effort to get to know every student. Um, but you did go through a process later of individualizing the educational experience for each student after kind of assessing mm-hmm. where they were at. Can you share with our listeners, how is that different in the classroom Um Approaching a class uh, who you're kind of speaking to universally and uniformly without real deep knowledge of where they're all at academically or otherwise versus um, the outcome that can happen after you take the time to get to know them individually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, when you're just doing, um, like when I was observing the teachers teaching to large groups, um, you found that those children that were really lost, that had the gaps and, and really didn't have a clue what was going on, they would, um, without any support mm. or any recognition of their difficulties, um, it was the beha- you had many more behavioural problems. And, of course, then the teacher was dealing with that mm. rather than actually teaching. So um, so to, to then we... Well, we I sort of noticed um, that Mari Clay um, in New Zealand had come up with this individualised instruction where she she dealt with the specifics of um, you take a little child out of that environment, but it would be for short term, not long term, um, and you would do these little assessment measures. They felt really valued mm. and you saw leaps and bounds. They started to um, open up 
and instead of feeling very frustrated by the whole education process, they could see that they were starting to get it, mm. starting to get certain ideas. Wow. And, and then um, they could go back and share that with their class and the class saw them then as a, as a, a fellow learner rather than the little person who's always creating problems and stopping them from learning. So um, that was very rewarding. And then um, we, of course, from that... Um, we then made groups. We, we sort of worked out groups after making further assessments um, that had similar gaps. Mm. So then we could um, take them out and do sort of, say, for a couple of months, we would work, we would really concentrate our efforts on exactly what they needed. Wow. And then they would go back into the classroom and be able to contribute. That's wonderful. Um, and it was, I was in the school in Bell Reeve for about 10 years. Mm. So we could sort of really um, then follow that through for those kids. So we, we would, um, we employed it. There were probably two or three teachers in the team, in the supportive team, mm -hmm. that then followed that through the whole primary school. Wow. Well, that's a beautiful example. Mm. And thank you for sharing that aspect mm. of your work with us. Um, you are retired now. Ah. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, as is you? your partner, who's also a teacher, retired yeah. teacher. Mm. Um, you know, after all of those years, um, what are some things uh, you just shared with us that that uh, effort that you you know put in, which sounds beautiful. Mm. Um, what are some other reflections you have about not necessarily even your career, but just the experience of doing that versus what you're able to do, to do now? I mean, do you have kind of flashbacks mm. from mm -hmm. different settings coming once in a while or, or what's it like to, uh, to leave that behind in some ways in any way? Yeah, well, I, um, I think within the education system, um, in primary schools, it did become very stressful for teachers because testing became, mm. nap plan testing became a big thing. Um, and so then I went to... Um, into this supporting people with a disability, um, adults. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, and that was very rewarding in other ways um, because I do like to solve challenges. Mm -hmm. So that was really, um, and I could also support with um, helping people with autism and writing little programs and things. Wow. But now, and, and I suppose I, at first I thought, gee whiz, I really loved being a very involved person in the community and, um, and helping you know, helping lots of children and and adults. But then um, I thought, well, I think, it, yeah, it is ready. You know, it is time for us now. And Paul, you know, he was, he uh, retired a, a year before me. Um, and I think that he, he has said we're both natural at it. We've got a caravan. <laughs> and we we found it very easy to just take off for seven months and tour all around Queensland and have a lovely time. And if you are an engaged person, you stay um, you stay that way, I think. And that's the most important thing when you're retired, you know, to sort of have your routines, but but really do things you really love for yourself and spend time with your grandkids mm -hmm. and your own children. And um, yes, explore. We're both travellers. So we, we just continually love to explore with each other. And Paul, of course, is um, very, you know, athletic. He likes to keep very fit. So right. he has, yeah, he's having a great fun with pickleball. <laughs> pickleball in, um, in Taos is something that he's, a new skill he's picking up. Um, and, you know, I'm really crafty, so... <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't think that there's any, um, yeah... 
any trouble with entertaining ourselves from here on in. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining (laughs) us today and sharing all of that. My pleasure. And thanks for all you've done and continue to do, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Taos. I'm having a great time. I love it here. (laughs) So hopefully I'll be coming back many, many more times. Wonderful. Thank you again. Thanks, Miles. All right. Puzzle, puzzle, compass. Puzzle, puzzle. Podcast. Uh.